Welcome to the Starting Nowhere podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. Do me a favor and hit that like and subscribe button so you can see more Starting Nowhere. Today, my guest is Blake Sweet. Blake is a stand-up comedian who got started in Montana right before the pandemic started. We're going to talk about how it's been operating in this environment and what he hopes for for the future. Please enjoy today's episode. So thanks for joining me tonight, Blake. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and why you're here. Hi, guys. I'm Blake Sweet. I'm a stand-up comic, uh, a voice actor, sketch writer, and podcaster myself. Um, and I'm here today to talk about a little bit about my journey getting started in comedy right at the onset of the pandemic and tell everybody about my podcast that's finally starting to actually gain a little bit of traction. So it sounds like you just basically a jack of all trades when it comes to things laugh wise, anything that deals with laughs you want in basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I can, uh, if I can make some people laugh, I'm happy. That's and so I want to get existential for a second, like right off the bat, let's dive right into the meat of this. Do you think that oh, wow. your desire to make people laugh is ego driven? Like you love that feedback loop and it makes you feel powerful or uh, um, what's the word? Sorry, I'm losing all track of my words now, but you like pleasing people, like pleasing people driven or just something that you found that you were good at and you're trying to lean into. What, what do you think is behind that? Oh, wow. Throwing haymakers early. Um, yeah. I told you, I told you we're diving right in. <laughs> all right. Um, I guess a little bit of all three. Um, for me, comedy is a lot about, um, like I do, I have a lot of social anxiety, mm. especially growing up. I had a real problem with it, public speaking, meeting new people, all that. And so at some point in my life, it started to click that the things I had to say were at least funny. Mm. Um, and so the next step really was, especially being a stand-up fan, was actually going out and trying it and seeing how funny I really am. Uh, and so that's a big part of it for me is every time I do a set, especially if it's good, uh, but even if I bomb, it's an incredible feeling knowing that I got up on stage and I actually delivered a set uh, in front of anywhere from like four to 40 people, depending on uh, depending on where I'm actually performing. Um, yeah, and it's just one of those things. It, I don't really know how to explain it other than it is kind of a triumph over that social anxiety. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I think that's one of the things that I've seen about comedy, whether people do it professionally or just the guy at the office who tells a joke or even the way that I do it myself. I think a lot of it comes from some kind of coping mechanism for something that we've developed in our life or something we've dealt with in our life or something like that and that's why you see a lot of comics who are um like clinically depressed and like all these other things and stuff like that too because comedy can exist naturally obviously you know we like to laugh and those type of things as well but I, i'll just i'll point the uh spotlight myself for a second when my joking nature came from two things uh largely i would say one is getting bullied and stuff like that trying to joke to keep the bully happy so he doesn't bully you and that type of stuff and then two also 
it's the only way that I know how to show affection or let me say I used to, I've gotten better at this only through focusing on it directly, but that was the only way I used to do affection. And it's still my primary means. So if I meet somebody new, my immediate reaction to try to like show them that I like them is to start talking shit, like immediately want to do it. Oh, and absolutely. I, and I know that it doesn't land well with a lot of people. So like, I have to really watch myself. I do it at work all the time. And I like, I have to feel out who can, who, who can take it and who can or whatever. But there's a lot of times where I just meet somebody and I'm like, hey, my name's Blake, uh, Blake Sweet. I'm like, oh, sweet boy, that's nice. <laughs> you know, just dive in <laughs> on something some so like just as stupid as that or whatever. That's just like how I, I show like any level of affection in the beginning until I get comfortable. You know what I mean? It's so I think a lot of oh, comedy just comes from coping mechanisms and broken people, which I think is a beautiful way to turn broken people into pure joy for other people, you know? Oh, absolutely. And can I just say, I'm really happy that your immediate go-to wasn't to call me Balake. No, uh, no, 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 no. Look, I'm, I'm mixed already. So I, I get the key and peel uh, aura. So I have to make sure that I stay somewhat authentic or at least original, you know? So no, no, it's not, it's not Balake, uh, Aaron. Now, if your name was Aaron Blake, there's no way I couldn't have done that. You can't put those two back to back like that. Oh, of but... course. So do people actually call you that like re uh, pretty regularly? Oh, all the time. People who you wouldn't even think watch Key and Peele will just like out of the blue. Oh, Balake. <laughs> oh, it, it's gotten that big. <laughs> the thing that I, I admire about us as a population, but I also hate about us as a population is how readily we do things like that. Like Dave Chappelle has a joke he tells about it, which I imagine is true as well, that he had to tell people to stop uh, coming up to him and saying, I'm Rick James, bitch. He's like, hey, can you not call me a bitch in front of my son? <laughs> He's like, it's just like people do <laughs> stuff like that. And, or, or one of my favorites is uh, Mila Kunis, right? Mila Kunis, uh, mm -hmm. very wealthy, very attractive, very just like sought after person. But because she plays a random cartoon character, what fans will run up to her and say is, shut up, Meg. They do it all the time. <laughs> so, and it's oh. just great. It's a great power balancing move because, you know, there's not too often that you see like an A-list. Uh, I don't know if I'd say A-list. I guess she's pretty high up there. I don't know how you determine those things. But a high-end celebrity anyways, who is also like attractive and wealthy and they get all these things going for you. But people just like to tell her to shut up. And it's, it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I can't imagine that's all that fun. That that's the thing that everybody knows you as, is Meg, the kind of frumpy joke character and family guy i mean it's got to be fun on some days but then like just think about it right we've all had bad days you wake up you spill your coffee you're running late for work whatever it is like and then somebody you leave your door and somebody goes, shut up Meg. like fuck you dude i will kill you and then now you're in a road rage incident <laughs> on tmz and it's all kinds of problems see that's the one thing i at least don't have to worry about the paparazzi when i go off on somebody for calling me balake <laughs> not yet but i was saying if for if the right person records it and you're funny enough and you're going off on them or B later on in your stand-up career or your podcast takes off, whichever, or both uh, now you are famous and they're going to do it. Cause they're going to potentially they'll hear this and they'll hear how it bothers you sometimes. And you're like, Oh, we're going in on that. We're going to eat this dude alive. I'm just, it's very optimistic for you to think that people don't already just go in on it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but there's I, not a I, whole lot of jokes you can come up with for a guy named Blake, I guess. Well, I mean, I'm, I guess the thing is, like, how often are you getting it right now? Probably like once a day uh, in a, a week that's like really high level or something like that. But if you're famous, oh man, it's oh, once yeah. every two, three hours or something like that, you know? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's at least thankfully, finally, it's been what like 
seven, eight years since that thing came out, people are finally moving away from it. <laughs> well, not now. Now that you yeah, now that it, I talk right about back. it on here, it's <laughs> yeah. so. And that's the thing for me is that my name is not famous for any particular sketch. But if you watch any show, any movie or anything like that, anybody who's named Brandon, it's a punchline name. Even though the name isn't the punchline, it's always some ridiculous <laughs> character. It's never the hero of the story. It's never anything good. They do it all the time. There's a scene in Scary Movie. Uh, did you did you watch the first Scary Movie? Oh, God, it's been forever, but yeah. Well, I mean, you should forget it because it's, yeah. it's a good movie. Let me be clear. It's a funny movie, but it's one of those throwaway funny movies, right? You're not going to quote it right. for the rest of your life. But there's a part where... Uh, Sean Wayne's character who is supposed to be in the closet and keeps doing like obviously uh, or ambiguously homosexual things and he, he's like hey yeah he's telling his girlfriend put on the football helmet the pads and stuff like that or whatever and then when he starts begging her and pretending she's the quarterback on his team he says take it Brandon I'm like, god damn it <laughs> every time <laughs> that's what I'm talking about oh, Brandon's right. not the butt of the joke but literally Brandon is the butt of that joke <laughs> yeah. So outside of you getting made fun of for your name and everything, what else, like, what has your experience with stand-up comedy been like? Particularly, like you said before, I think we got on the air, maybe even uh, a few minutes ago, since the pandemic has been going on, because it's not been a lot of standing up going on uh, over the past year. So I'm just wondering <laughs> how you, your timing could not be worse for one, which a comedian needs good timing. I think you know that, but it was just, how has this been for you and what got, I mean, like what ultimately led you to wanting to get up on that stage other than defeating your anxiety? Um, so actually at the time when I decided to try it, I had been really getting into stand-up. I mean, I've always enjoyed it. You know, I was the kind of person whenever one of the big A-list comics would put out a Netflix special, I'd go and watch it and have a fun hour. Um, but yeah, like 2018, 2019 is when I really started doing deep dives into it, listening to lesser known comics and you know, starting to be more aware of the actual comedy club scene and not just what you see on Netflix. And um, in January of 2020, I had taken a job in collections. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if you or your listeners know, but it is very depressing to work in collections. I mean, my days consisted of <laughs> calling 80 to 100 people and trying to wrestle money out of them when you know they could barely pay their rent um, and so I needed some kind of positive outlet and being a comedy fan when I heard that there was some little dive bar in the town in Montana I was living in that does a comedy night every couple of weeks I had to go Wait, wait, wait. It, I, I have to jump in there. Oh, so you're starting stand-up comedy right before a pandemic, and then you're starting stand-up comedy in Montana, of all places? Yes. Jesus Christ, you're making it hard on yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, I'm living in California now. I was born and raised in the Bay Area and moved out here back in June. Um, and it's been nice, even though it's not like any comedy clubs are open. Mm -hmm even just the virtual comedy scene has gotten a lot bigger for me, but, um, but yeah, up in Montana, literally the whole comedy scene was this dive bar that I like, twice a month was doing an open mic night. And I started going to it just thinking, you know, yeah, I'm going to go watch, get some laughs. And the, uh, the very first show I was in, we were getting towards the end and I was like, 
you know what? I could probably be funnier than most of these people. And so I went up to the host, asked if I could be added to the list. Ended up actually he- or accidentally headlining my first uh, open mic. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it was from the moment I grabbed that microphone and got my first laugh, that was when I knew that this is something that I needed to pursue. It wasn't so much a want as it was like this is what i need to be doing it's like a compulsion right you know so the equivalent for like ed guyne to want to make a chair out of human skin you didn't have to excuse me you had to make the laugh <laughs> you, you know could not do it or could not not do it i don't know that's like a triple negative i don't know what the hell i'm doing right now <laughs> yeah it was um because there was, there was something very cathartic i guess especially like i said i was going through a difficult time adjusting to a job where you know i'm the guy that works for the loan shark that's <laughs> making you pay up um and so it was it was nice to actually make people smile for change so you remember that joke that first joke that made the uh the the random person in montana laugh because first of all <laughs> i just gotta say again and this is if anybody in Montana hears this, they'll probably either laugh at it or they're going to be pissed, but I don't know. But like, I'm just imagining a Montana laugh that like has to feel really good. Like LA, they fake laugh all the damn time or, or the Bay area, anywhere in California, really. I'm in Florida. So I'm not, you know, trying to uh, downplay that they fake laugh all the time, but in Montana, if you get a laugh in Montana, that that's a laugh. That's like a real legit laugh. And it's probably from like the gut. Oh yeah, definitely. Belly laughs from all four people that were there. Uh, <laughs> That's a packed house, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Place was at capacity. Uh, they're all going to hate me if they hear this. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember that joke? Do you remember what that joke was? Uh, yeah. So I was, um, I ended up getting up there and I told a story about uh, when I worked at a gas station in college. And the whole point of the joke was I had a nemesis when I worked at the gas station. He was like my new man. I don't know if you watch Seinfeld. No, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. New <laughs> um, so every now and again, this guy would come in and steal from us. Um, but the thing that always blew me away was this guy, like, clearly knew what he was doing, too. Like, I'd, I'd argue he was probably a professional at some point. Uh, he knew where all of our cameras were. He knew when my rush was and just the perfect time to come in every time. So he'd have his face hidden. He'd go back into our beer cooler, grab a 12 pack of Bud Light, and then go wait in line until I was distracted and bolt out the door. And I mean, this guy even had a getaway driver. What? Yeah, right? (laughs) This was just the most insane thing I had actually seen working at this gas station. And this happened every now and again. He was, it was just some little mom and pop gas station. And I swear it was the only place he ever hit. It's super weird. Right. To some degree, I'm kind of impressed. I mean, he put a lot of effort into it and he pulled it off. Um, So props to him, I guess. But I just, I can't imagine all that effort being worth $12 worth of beer. 
No, not beer. Bud Light. <laughs> Bud Light is not beer. Oh yeah. Well, and and you know, if he's stealing a twelve pack and he's got a getaway driver, he's not even getting twelve beers out of the deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know about you, but I cannot remember the last time that I felt drunk drinking half a twelve pack of Bud Light. Uh, I can. I don't know. If, I don't know if there was ever a time. <laughs> I, I I can. I can tell you the the last time that I got drunk drinking about a half uh, a pack. Excuse me, half a twelve pack of Bud Light would have been uh, coming back from like deployment. You know what I mean? You haven't had a drink in like depending on how long you've been gone, six to eight months or whatever else it is, and you get that first Bud Light or whatever else it is, and you're like, well, oh man, tonight's not going to go well. <laughs> it's going to be a long night for sure. <laughs> and it was. It was. So. Oh, I could imagine. But that, that's insane to me. Like you um, said, that this dude is doing all this planning. He's doing all these things. He has a getaway driver. He's doing, like, just for a 12-pack of Bud Light. Like, again, kids, if you're listening to this, first of all, don't fucking listen to this, but uh, don't steal. But if you're going <laughs> to steal a 12-pack, come on. Like, do something a little bit more grand. You're getting away with it repeatedly. Why are you stopping at the 12-pack? Like, but I mean, that's exactly why he's getting away with it. The right. guy's a genius. He knows his limits, and... That's crazy. You you don't have right. the wherewithal to not steal, but you have the self-control to only steal this much. It's like he knows the laws <laughs> and he's trying to like stay under some thresholders. It's crazy. This is this is mind-boggling. Right. I want to start a documentary on this now. Right? You'd think like you'd think a 12 pack of Bud Light and a 30 pack or yeah, 30 pack of Budweiser is the difference between prison or something. Yeah. What but what really blew me away about the whole thing was there was a radio shack a block away. Dude could have with with that level of effort. Dude could have gone, stolen a TV, pawned it at the pawn shop, literally next door to the Radio Shack, yeah. and then just come and bought beer. Yeah, but you you can't drink a TV, so <laughs> he has to right, exactly. he has to use his ill gotten what... gains. He won't resell. He's like, I have to I have to use it. I just, now see <laughs> this is what I'm doing. I'm gonna turn this whole thing into true crime podcast now, and just like talk about how this guy was like the most <laughs> ethical thief. Like he had these all these principles and rules he's following, and that's what allowed him to continue. So he's probably still. Does that gas station still exist? Do you think? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's still there. So he's probably still hitting it. Like there's. Oh, he's still guaranteed. like. That's crazy. I I'm love convinced it. the guy had an inside man too, because it seemed like he was only picking on me because I was the new guy. That's, that's and so nice. I bet you every time he hears there's a new guy working the night shift. All right, time for another heist. Yeah, and I like that he calls it heist. By the way, <laughs> this is, <laughs> so he's back in like his garage with like uh, the you know how they do it with the oh, map and like all those strings. Oh yeah, and he's got the blueprints. <laughs> he's got some killer music going on because of course every heist movie has the best soundtrack. Absolutely, dude. I got to imagine there was like some cool moment between him and his getaway driver when he recruited him for the job. You know what? We what if we like you find out it's not even a getaway driver. The dude didn't know he was stealing it this whole time. He thought he was just buying it because just like you, he's like it's twelve bucks. Of course he's buying it. Like yeah, go in. Like he's just a guy who drives him. <laughs> he has no idea what's going on, and he's an accessory to like thirty thefts or whatever. <laughs> oh God, that's almost worse. <laughs> it, it, but it's hilarious because that would be me because I'm like they. He's been stealing. I'm like steal. What'd you steal? And you're like oh a twelve pack. A goddamn twelve pack. We're getting pulled over by the cops and possibly going to jail for a 12-pack, Bob. Jesus Christ. Actually, you know, you've got a point. If you told them beforehand, it might have been a liability. 
it's it's definitely a liability. But like, dude, take the ten dollars, whatever the hell it is, and, and buy the twelve pack. You cheap son of a bitch. It's ridiculous. I like it though. I mean, like, if you're resorting to stealing Bud Light, I mean, is that really the worst of your financial problems at that point either? No, in my head, this guy's a thrill. Uh, he's doing it for the thrill. He's like those those soccer moms who are on pills who just steal like five dollar knickknacks just for the thrill of getting caught or whatever. That's this. That's what this guy. He has to be. This is insane. You know. Yeah, you make a fair point. <laughs> that's again. That's what I'm going with. That's my. That's my theory. I, I want to start like a whole. You know, to, uh, what's that show called? Uh, how the the Avery guy and everything. Uh, in the Wisconsin or whatever, who like something murderer, right? Making a murderer. Or I don't remember. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that I'm going to start a documentary series based upon this one guy and we're all going to figure it out. And then I'm going to interview him. And he was like, what? It's like, I just like beer. <laughs> that, that's the whole story. <laughs> like, well, you just ruined this shit. <laughs> oh, that's probably all it is too. Cause <laughs> Bud Light's considered good beer up there too. Dude, that's, that's so depressing to me. Like, right. So you, because here's the ghost. Let's go stereotypical again for a second, right? Montana. You picture a man in Montana. That's like the cowboy lighting a match on his cheek, you know, doing like all this hardcore, hyper masculine shit. And then you've got a hipster who who is like very, very soft and hasn't worked a day in his life and everything like that. And he drinks more manly beers, again, stereotypically, he drinks more manly beer than a dude in Montana who's drinking Bud Light. I'm a simple man. I like simple beer. That's all I need. Like it's goddamn water. I make fun of my mom. My mom drinks Bud Light. And I always, and so when she comes over to visit, I'll buy her some. And she's like, hey, can I get a water, please? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got And I bring her the Bud Light because she knows it. I don't respect it. <laughs> I don't take it seriously. I mean, to be fair, those manly Montana men probably drink a lot more Bud Light than I drink craft beer. So true, true. I'll give them that. <laughs> that I mean, that is fair. But it, again, it's like, it, that's again it's just economically a bad choice if you're drinking 30 of these things you know maybe oh, yeah. have one shot of whiskey or something you know what i'm saying like what are you doing this is killing me <laughs> but that's oh man so uh just going back now we went way off on a tangent on this guy because i'm super interested in this story <laughs> but uh, so so going, so was i that's why i told it <laughs> <laughs> going going back to your your stand-up and everything like that do you think that the way you approach stand-up one has changed the way or the trajectory of your career and also, is it kind of what led you to the podcast? Um, the stand-up and the podcast kind of happened independently of each other. Um, around the same time I was getting ready to start doing stand-up, my, uh, my cousin Matt and his best friend Mikey actually came to me with this idea for a podcast. Um, and they knew that just two of them weren't going to be able to make it work so they brought me on uh and for a long time it was really just me doing all the boring legal and business stuff while they had fun setting up the studio and writing content and (laughs) that was probably the biggest kick in the pants to move back to california damn it i want to have fun with this too yeah i mean recording Uh, podcasts and doing sketch comedy in general is fun even if you're doing it for like nobody you know uh, oh yeah, because my my whole claim to fame, if you will, or anything like that, is that I, I've uh, I went to an art school for middle and high school, and then I've done like improv classes stuff like that. Like so, I always have fun doing it, even though again, like you said, there's like two people who watching you, and sometimes there's nobody watching. You're doing it, and I'm making oh, yeah. myself laugh, and that's enough for me. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I'm still convinced because we're we're still not getting a ton of downloads, but it's I'm convinced 
we make up like 70% of them. Hey, that's the only way to get good at your craft is to listen to yourself. Like that's one of the things I had to get over doing this or doing anything. And like stand-up comedy is a perfect example of that too. You have to get used to listening to your own voice and then at some point appreciating your own voice. You know what I mean? It, it gets really oh, weird because yeah. most people hate their voice and I'm, I'm included or I was included. Now I fucking love it. You can tell by how much I talk. <laughs> oh yeah. It, honestly, for me, even more so than stand-up, it took sitting down and editing podcasts that I was starring in. Because mm-hmm. I mean, especially with sketch comedy uh i was telling you before we started recording it's a lot of um it's a lot less like a regular podcast where you have a few people having a conversation and you kind of edit out the ums and the uhs and the dead space we approached it more like recording a cartoon where you get every actor in to the studio individually and they run through every line multiple takes and then you as the editor have to sit down go through every single take and find which one fits best into the actual script. And God, especially with the three of us who have no experience whatsoever before we started this, it can be rough listening through all that. But now you've got content to release like a behind the scenes thing when you make it famous. Because see, this is this is business one on one, right? Or like Gary V does this stuff all the time, and he talks about it. Gary V has a guy following him like from when he starts the day to like the end of the day, and the only reason he does that is so he can repurpose it for like behind the scenes footage or move it over here and doing that type of stuff. So all of the stuff you guys have, and if you if, when this makes through to the next level, you just release a little. Uh, vignette or whatever behind the scenes like oh here's blake recording some lines and here's the other guys and stuff like that and boom you got some more another piece of content to make some money off of oh yeah we've got a whole blooper reel going at this point yeah it's like the equivalent of making like soup stock with the bones from shit you're about to throw away anyways right (laughs) keep it using keep it useful but so um, sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say you'd be amazed with uh with how many bloopers you can get when every character takes four or six hours on their own to record. Jesus. Do you guys ever Granted, record together? Have, um, yeah, so at least two of us are always in the booth because you have to have somebody running forward and directing. Hmm. While you well, have sorry. On mic. Let me, let me be more specific with my question. I mean, oh. do you ever have like a back and forth recording, like where you're both doing lines at the same time, or do you strictly only do the lines individually? Oh, it's strictly individually. Okay. And at this point, I'm not sure if it's just that we only had enough in our budget for one microphone or, <laughs> um, <laughs> or, or if it's just easier to manage. Hmm. But I'm going to go with the one that makes it sound more professional, that it's easier to manage. Hey. Like I said, there's a lot of different groups of people that I've seen do that. Rick and Morty, they do that a lot of the time, pretty oh, much yeah. all the time. You know, you, but what's great about Rick and Morty, and I'm hoping you do this. If you don't, you should start. Is uh, the method acting? And by method acting, I of course mean that uh, Justin Roiland gets drunk when he's doing drunk Rick. So he's just in the booth. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's in the booth, hammered, trying to read these lines. Oh yeah, it's actually uh, it's funny you bring that up because we. Uh... I guess by the time this comes out, the episode will already be out, but um, we recorded one of our episodes where we do have a drunk character and my cousin Matt was playing him. And so we were just throughout the course of the night feeding him drinks, just (laughs) one bourbon after another. And it came out really good. He really pulled off the 
hammered, slurring his words. So have you been drunk with, uh, you said Matt, right? Have you been drunk with him before? Oh, yeah. I mean, so in your opinion, was that just drunk Matt and he was just doing himself or was he like actually like acting? A little bit of both. Okay. Um, Some embellishment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he really dialed the, especially the slurred speech up to 11. See, that's the one thing I can't do because I have a speech impediment. So if I slur it's not going anywhere good. You're like, what the hell are you even <laughs> saying? You're not drunk. I think you might just you're, have a Bell's palsy or something like that. I don't know what the hell's going on with your mouth. <laughs> so for those who don't know, by the way, because I always forget this, but it's one of my favorite things to say, is Bell's palsy is something, I don't even think they know why it happens, but it's just like half of your face goes numb uh, and starts to droop almost like you had a stroke or something, but it's not, and it just kind of goes away. Hmm. So it's super weird. It's a super weird occurrence and it can last for a few days, I think, or something. I, I don't, again, I know very little about it, but I just know about it in general. I'm like, that's, I, I have to, I have to be honest. I kind of hope it happens to me at one point. Cause I just want to walk around and freak people out, you know, just like have, <laughs> have somebody like, it has to be somebody who knows me. Right. It can't just be a stranger who's turning around like, Oh, this guy's face. And I, I want it to be somebody who knows me. And they're like, Hey, Brandon. And I turn around and it's like, Oh, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What happened? <laughs> I mean, I guess you can go get a root canal. Mm. No, I see. Here's the thing. This is a story I always tell people. Like, I want a facial scar, but I'm not going to give it to myself. Like, it has to happen organically. If it's not organic, then I don't want it. You know what I mean? Like, it has to just come about. Like, I just have to get something that's horribly defiguring, and then I get to spring it on people. And I will milk that sympathy hard, hard. I am going to be one of those people. Absolutely. (laughs) You're not gonna. You're not gonna let me go to a restaurant and not not let me sit first. There's no fucking way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna milk that all day. <laughs> right. Everybody's gonna hold their door open for you. Absolutely. Yeah. You get cut in the front of line at Disneyland if we ever get to go to Disneyland again. Exactly. And no matter what it is, I'm gonna be limping. Like no matter what the problem actually is, it's gonna come with a limp. Like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like you said, you got a root canal. Oh, it's my leg. It's connected. The root was really deep. It's connected to my uh, patella. And I, it's all fucked up now. <laughs> That's the way you do it, man. I'm just trying to get the handicap placard. I want to park wherever the fuck I want. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I mean, again, the trade-off is your handicap. So, like, everything, yeah, has, everything has balance. It's right. So, I mean, again, it just depends upon what, what the particular impediment that you have is. I guess it depends on how hard it is to find parking where you live. Uh, well, I, like I said, I, I, I don't know if I told you this before or not, but I live in Miami, so I don't really ever drive anyways. Like to the point I'm considering getting rid of my car. <laughs> so it'd be completely useless, but that would be exactly how my life would go, right? I'd get it when I don't need it. And as soon as I go to move somewhere where I'm going to need it again, it, I'm like, I, my physical therapy works and I don't longer uh, uh, handicap <laughs> or anything like that. I'm like, that'd be exactly how my life would go. And I, I'd appreciate it. I'd appreciate uh, the director of this whole thing going, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> Be yeah. fun. So, so the podcast, how long, how many episodes do you have now? Um, so we just put out, I want to say it was either episode five or six. We, um, our first two or three, we were just kind of putting them out as we finished them. And then at the tail end of 2020, we, finally decided like if we're actually going to be doing this we need to take it seriously we need to have a release date that people can rely on Mm -hmm. and so right now we're doing monthly releases 
Nice. And what, like, uh, the second Wednesday of the month? Or like, when, when is your release date? Uh, it'll be the first Monday of every month. Nice. Okay. So, what are some of the sketches figure you've done? Figure we'll give people a... So, sorry, what'd you say? Um, I was just going to say, I figure we'll give people something to look forward to at the start of the week. Yeah. Well, one Hopefully week out of the month. Look like, forward to it. Yeah, like the other the other three weeks you're on your own. You're like you get one good Monday <laughs> out of every month, and that's it. That's all we well, can afford. Well, we're just really hoping that that one Monday is good enough to get you through the rest of the Mondays. There, there's no way that's true. <laughs> there's no way. Uh, if people were that easily pleased, life would be man. Life would be utopia. God, Mondays wouldn't be a problem at that point. <laughs> I I honestly don't mind Mondays, and that's that's just this shows you how old I'm getting, right? I don't mind Mondays, not because Mondays don't suck or whatever. It's just because a lot of the good shows come on Sundays. So it simultaneously shows you how old I'm getting and how immature I am. Because I I wouldn't watch Simpsons and Family Guy and uh, Bob's Burgers, <laughs> and they all come on Sunday. Last week tonight, like all that comes on Sunday, and then so. I don't have cable. My, my girlfriend has Hulu. So what we'll do is we'll Monday night, we get dinner and just, we knock out like four to five shows and it's freaking great. So Mondays are awesome for that very reason. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, especially during COVID, I've got a whole new lease on Mondays because it's, I have a day job and we're an essential business because we, um, we sell medical electronics. That's one of our main products that we carry. Mm-hmm. So I get to come into the office. So Monday is always my, like, oh, I actually get to leave the house and go somewhere for a change. Yeah, but leaving the house is overrated, isn't it? I mean, there's people outside. That's where all the people are. <laughs> you don't need that in your life. Well, this is why I just go straight to work and straight back. I yeah, don't need okay. to go socialize. I just need to go not be at home for a day. Yeah. So uh, how does that work? Like, with, excuse me, like with your job and then stand-up comedy is usually a pretty late night thing. So like, how are you balancing those things? Like you said, obviously the pandemic's affected that some, but how will you balance those things when it goes back to a new normal or whatever? Um, well, I am lucky enough right now that a lot of the work that I do do, both with stand-up and uh, with the podcast, we revolve it around weekends. Mm. Um, but yeah, once once all this is over and... I really have no excuse to not go out on weeknights and <laughs> perform anymore. Uh, I think it really is um, more than anything. I think it's just going to be a matter of I have to cope with getting tired at work. Fair. I can't really see any other way around it than that. Yeah, until you get your first like road gig, uh, and then you're like, because I've I, I've listened to just like yourself. Uh, I'm I and pretty interested in comics as well as the comedy they do. Um, And so I've heard some of those stories. I think it's John Mulaney or I forget who it is, but they're talking about like driving from New York or whatever to some random college they were doing in some small part of uh, one of the States near them. And then having to drive back and all around, it's like a six hour trip. They get back at like two, three in the morning and everything. And then they have work the next day. And you're like, Jesus Christ. You're like, no, no, thank you. I don't want to do that at all. Yeah, no, uh, I honestly don't know how I, did it in college with all all nighters I pulled. Well, because I mean, it's college is a different thing. That's completely. Oh different. yeah, but I, I mean, like if I'm if I'm in bed by ten, I'm already missing my first alarm in the morning. I'm pretty sure that my college behavior uh, took a couple years off my life. I used to. So when I went to college the first time, I was there for like a summer. Um, 
doing like a, a accelerated Spanish course because woo Spanish. I don't know why that was the first thing I decided to take in college, but it did. <laughs> and so I only had class like two days a week or something. Like, I don't remember what it was, but I would stay up for 18 hours. No, excuse me, 18 hours. That's not a lot. I would stay up for 36 hours straight and then sleep for 18 hours. <laughs> and that was like my schedule. <laughs> it was like, I was like, looking back, I'm like, why? First of all, because this is, this is 2003. So this is when the internet is 56K modems. Like you're, you're trying to load a picture or anything you're loading. It's a boom, boom. And I didn't have a computer. So I'm in like the, in our dorms, I had like that little at the end of the hallway, just looking up. And all I'm doing is like reading forums and like all this stuff or whatever for 12 hours straight. And no, no reason eating a corn dog. Cause I didn't have any money, you know, and stuff like that. And then, and then go to sleep. And like I said, sleep for 18 hours. Because that's, it can't be healthy. That has to have caused some really irreparable damage. Oh, probably. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but that sounds worse than if you were spending like 12 hours at a time just watching porn. So well, at least back then, you know, that's a, you know, that's one video. <laughs> but to, again, to be clear with 56K modems, you're not spending 12 hours watching. You might be spending 12 hours loading, but that, that's about it. Right. You're not getting through 12 hours. Loading. Right, exactly. That was what I was getting at. <laughs> and, and to make, like I said, to make matters worse, I didn't have my own computer. So I would have been in like a, a public space just hanging out doing this I'm like, I'm like somebody behind me trying to like print out a paper they have doing i'm like hey what's going on I'm like, no it's terrible <laughs> is that not what people did before home computers became a thing oh no before home computers became a thing you you found what you could victoria's secret catalogs were a lot more popular back then <laughs> that's actually uh one of my favorite comics is dan soder that's one of my favorite jokes of his is he doesn't trust anybody who was born after the internet came out because they never had to work for a jerk. <laughs> I don't know. Like the internet has been a great equalizer in a lot of different ways. And what the thing that's interesting to me, and I, I'm not a parent, I, I have no intention of being a parent to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't have to deal with it, but I'm like how I can only see my, from my 13 year old brain perspective. And if I had access to the internet, that's, all I would do like I don't know how parents deal with their children and pretend because you're only pretending you cannot stop your children from seeing adult content these days like back in my day oh, yeah, it was, I had to hope that my uncle's subscription came to our house by accident or I got it before he did I'm like oh I didn't see it I never got delivered like there was a lot of risk involved there's a lot of tangible right. evidence left behind and like all this stuff like there was no way to get like you have a phone a computer like you have a million different devices in your house connected internet and every single one of them can get some adult content. So I don't know how parents can pretend <laughs> like their kids aren't just watching it constantly. Oh yeah. I mean, shit, I could be watching porn right now. You don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like I would know unless you're, again, we've already talked about one. You have a compulsion <laughs> to do comedy. You're starting to set off a lot of serial killer vibes here. I, I'm seeing you starring in the next season of what's that show? Uh, you? Yeah. Uh, Cause that's, I feel like that's what a serial killer would do. Again, it goes back to that guy who's stealing for the thrill. You're just watching. You're not even like, you're not even sexually aroused. You're just watching it for the thrill. Like this guy doesn't know. He has no idea what's going on on the other side of the screen. Uh, God, I wish I was that crazy sometimes. I don't know. I might have a more fun home life. Well, fun's a strong word. You'd have a lot more risky home life, I imagine. <laughs> 
I, well, like we'd be in the middle of this podcast interview right now and that uh, window right there, it would be like actually a closet and you'd feel like the, hear somebody hitting the door. I'm like, hey, uh, what's that? What's that sound? Like? Nothing. You didn't see anything. <laughs> I'm like, what's your address again? You're like, Jesus Christ. No, because <laughs> that's how it has to be. Like, I feel like that uh, keeping that thing below the surface has got to be 90% of what it's being a serial killer is about. It's just keeping that veil. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you're sure, like you don't know. God, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's on to me. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a terrible uh... decision for you. <laughs> Luckily, nobody watches yeah, no, maybe the podcast, this is... though. <laughs> maybe this is why serial killers don't do podcasts. <laughs> well, so, all right, this is going to get super nerdy for a second, but I, I, I'm into this theme now. Uh, if we think about it, as many podcasts exist, and as many people who are serial killers that haven't been caught, there has to be serial killers doing podcasts either as the content creator or as a guest and we just don't know about it so when it's gonna inevitably i think it's gonna happen somebody's gonna get caught and then there's gonna be the episodes of the podcast they're on and whoever's podcast it is is gonna shoot through the roof because i'm listening for sure i want to hear what this oh yeah I'm doing before this well that's just like um did you ever see the documentary don't fuck with cats yes 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 i did <laughs> yeah that's a great one man that's awesome oh that's exactly what my mind jumped to <laughs> the moment you mentioned that. Like, you know what? I guess people are out there you see, doing weird shit on the internet. Yeah, that guy was, that was, that story in general was nuts. And like that dude was just asking to get caught left and right. I don't know what he was thinking. Oh, yeah. But he's insane. And yet but, somehow it came down to a bunch of cat people on the internet to actually catch him. Well, that's where he started. Like, so he started with uh, the, what did he put him like in a vacuum bag? I think it was and like suck the air out to like kill that cat. And so mm. he started with the animal abuse, which again, right. just shows you how weird our people are on the internet or just in general, because you can show yourself murdering somebody on the line and we'll be like, ah, you know, whatever. Uh, and then, but if you show yourself murdering an animal, people are like, no, f this guy, we have to find him. We're going to kill him. We're going to do everything we can to stop him. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so he just started backwards. He should have like worked his way down. Like he killed a person first and I'm like, oh, oh, well, whatever. We didn't know that guy. And then he come back and be like, fuck you, you killed an animal. We're, we're coming for you. Like PETA gets involved, everybody, you know? Oh yeah. It's almost like you got to do the whole su serial killer progression backwards. Yeah. You got to start what... killing people on camera first. Then you got to start wetting the bed and starting small fires. Then you graduate to killing animals. Well, that's that's the new serial killer. That's the millennial serial killer. You have to do everything backwards. <laughs> but, and, and so that's what I was thinking when you were saying that before is that that's our William H. Gacy story, right? Well, like everybody loves to talk about how William H. Gacy used to dress up like a clown, like and do birthday parties John and like whatever. What? Oh, yeah. I John always Gacy? do that. I always do that. William H. Macy <laughs> is an actor. I always do that. That's freaking hilarious. Sorry about that, William H. Macy. You're, although, you're great. <laughs> although, to be fair, I feel like William H. Macy would probably play an awesome serial killer. True. <laughs> It is very, very true. Uh, he has to have played one at one time. I don't know. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, but so, so yes, John Wayne Gacy. Uh, he he's, he always dressed up like a clown, or didn't always, but he dressed up a clown sometimes. So that's our version is going to be like he was doing all these podcasts, and like <laughs> that's going to be the guy. <laughs> it's going to be somebody like uh, uh, I forget the dude's name, but he does like how I built this. It's like an entrepreneurial podcast. Like it's going to be him because <laughs> he has like that really <laughs> like podcasty voice and stuff. And they're like the whole time he's murdering people while interviewing uh, the guests. I don't know. I suspect uh, uh, what's her name the. I host a serial. Oh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about, but I, I don't listen to it, so I don't know her name at all. <laughs> Dude. 
See, yeah. I, yeah, I don't have that obsession with like the true crime stuff. So everybody's all obsessed with cereal and it's like, all right, I'm still going to not listen to it. <laughs> Well, my girlfriend loves those, uh, the true crime stuff or whatever. But for me, man, like those bore me because it's always like a handful of things. They got emotional, did something stupid. Uh, they, they're super selfish and just wanted to do it or whatever, or they were trying to cover something up. Like it's always, always one of those very, uh, reasons. Oh, yeah. I'm like people are boring. Like th- that's why I like fiction serial killers. Cause they're far more interesting. You know what I mean? Like I'm waiting for them to build like where's the next Zodiac killer or something like that or whatever. And again, for anybody who's listening or happens to know somebody who was murdered by one of these people, I'm sorry for the crass nature in which we're discussing somebody who murdered your family. But like that's the things that we're we're looking at is like real killing is generally speaking emotional. It's crimes of passion or something like that. It's boring as crap. I don't care that this guy uh, was mad that he was getting separated from wife. So he killed himself and his kid or whatever. Like that's, again, that story happens every day. I, if I'm watching serial killers, I want somebody who's mm-hmm. like, you know, Ed Gein, like those type of things. We don't have those anymore. H.H. H. Holmes, right. like all that nonsense. Oh God, H.H. H. Holmes, that was something completely different. Yeah, he- that was- He's out there, man. Oh, God, the murder hotel. Yeah, that's what money and craziness gets you. Yeah, yeah, that's the amount of work that it has to take to be that level of evil. It's almost impressive. No, it's terrifying, but impressive. It's definitely (laughs) impressive. It's just not something we should emulate. But that's what that's what (laughs) tells me. Level of dedication, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's that's what tells me I can never be a serial killer is because I get caught on the first crime scene for sure. Because I don't want to clean now. I'm certainly not going to want to clean blood. I'm like, I'm going to leave something behind. I'm like, dude, whatever. He's dead. Nobody's going to find it, and they're going to find it immediately. They're like, well, Brandon did it. I'm like, great. Great. That was really lazy of me to get caught. I'll get caught just because I'm pure lazy. That's all. Oh God. You know, I, I shed hair and I just, I don't have the effort to go clean that up if I'm <laughs> be living a crime scene. So, and I'm definitely not wearing a hairnet. I mean, you could be the hairnet killer that <laughs> I'm into it. I, I, you have to have a name. And if you wear a hairnet, you got your name. And that's all I'm saying. You don't have to send any letters to the police and stuff like that. Because that's the other thing too, man, is if you don't kill the same people, like all the time, they don't even know you're a serial. They don't even know you exist. Like you, the only oh, yeah. way that they track serials and in, in crimes uh, in general is they see diff- the same MO or whatever going on. If you're just killing randomly, they're never going to find you. Like they may find you for one murder, but. They're not going to go, oh, yeah. yeah. Did you call yeah, these other 30 us? people around the country in various ways of various races, uh, sexes, and all this stuff? You're like, oh, yeah, 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 that was me, too. <laughs> <laughs> and at no that way. point, who's admitting to it? Well, I mean, and so that's the other thing, right? Serial killers a lot of times want recognition for what they do. So at some point, that's why a lot of them do the stuff they do. That's how they end up getting caught, because they start playing that game of, like, nobody's seeing their work right. and so they start sending letters to mock them and stuff like that you know uh or, or they're insane like um what was his name summer of sam guy uh crap i don't remember his name but the guy who was going around shooting like couples or uh with his pistol and stuff like that and he said his neighbor's dog was satan and was telling him to do it or something like that like the dude was just had tons of mental health problems so I, okay. I think I think that's the only situations again where you're you're getting caught is either like I said you have a mental health issue that is already going to make you devolve uh, further until you can't hide anymore or you want recognition for what you're doing and you start sending letters and mocking the cops and stuff like that and then why they don't even know you exist leave it alone. 
Why are we? Why am I giving advice to serial killers right now? This is weird. We I don't know. Really let's, weird place. Here. Let's really hope that the serial killers that listen to podcasts don't listen to this one. Hey, I just want to know that I'm giving good advice. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> what if? Because you know, like people, the internet's great for like uh, writing or yelling at you and saying you're doing things wrong. So what if that's like the note I get the serial killer now is pissed at me? He's like, "That is not how we do it. How dare you talk about us?" <laughs> you get a one star review on iTunes. Yeah. I'm getting this guy canceled. Has no by idea the what being killer. a serial killer is like. I'm getting canceled by the serial killer community. Like <laughs> this guy, what the hell he's talking about don't let him talk about us this is offensive <laughs> it's ridiculous oh <laughs> i kind of hope that happens i i will i'll wear that badge proudly until one of them murders me obviously that and that's bad but i mean whatever well hey especially if you getting canceled by the serial killer community makes you go viral then if one of them kills you that just makes your podcast go more viral yeah that again that would be a really weird place to be in because like wait first of all there's a serial killer community we thought these were just a bunch of random you know lone wolf actors and everything like that or uh bad actors but like no there's a community that i have like their version of parlor or something like that and they're all out there <laughs> trading tips and pictures and stuff like that like that has to be a thing right like every other heinous yeah. uh community white supremacy pedophiles like, they all have a community serial killers have to have something like that right there has to be on the dark web i don't know all right, I'm going to take a guess here. I'll bet you it's called Ripper. R-I-P-R. Because <laughs> every tech company has to take out some vowels. Yeah, or I-Ripper. <laughs> you know, they just add the I in front of it. It's like, yeah. That's freaking great. Now I want to look into this. I want to like, but then if I start researching it, I'm going to pop up on FBI websites and, or, or whatever, and I don't need that in my life either. So <laughs> I'm going to get, get arrested for being curious. You know, which happened. It's good. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Either that or Google advertising is just going to start sending you some really weird messages. Hey, I'm okay with that part. The, so, like, uh, plastic uh, sheeting. Whenever I'm on YouTube, I get these random ads sometimes. And so my girlfriend will be sitting here and I try to point them out to her. And she's like, What the hell have you been looking at? And you'd be like, Single grannies in your area. I'm like, What? Like, why? Why is that the thing <laughs> that is popping up? I'm like, what did I search? Did I look at crockpots for too long? And they're like, You know, you want this. I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand. <laughs> that, that's seriously a thing that's popped up on the side, like of like different things or whatever. Like, it's not, it's not as like sexual as that or whatever. It's like just more dating and everything like that. But I'm like, why do they think that I want this? Like, what are you, what am I algorithm that you're, you're, I'm Googling that says this guy likes this. He wants this. Oh yeah. No, I've, I've gotten that too. Like you'll end up with the weird eHarmony ad or Victoria's Secret will throw you a targeted ad. I, I, I have to say I'm doing that makes it throw me those ads. I have to say that I think it's match.com match.com and Geico have two of my favorite commercial series going. So the match.com commercials where they're like, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of one of the, they're just terrible puns about whatever the people are doing. They're like, they'll shoot a basketball, whatever. Like, I love basketball, but I'm, I'm playing games with my relationship. I'm like, fuck, I love those commercials. Oh. They're, they're so bad. <laughs> I love them. But it makes me mad because there's obvious, like, I don't know if it's obvious sexism or whatever it is, but only the dudes are doing the puns. Like one girl will do a pun and the rest of them are just like, oh, I want to find a nice guy. I'm like, no, I want puns. I want them all to be terrible yeah, puns right? about whatever you're doing. <laughs> this is the best commercial ever. I think the biggest mistake was calling them dad jokes. You got to find something gender neutral because I like when women make puns too. 
look, puns, uh, they, they, they say like puns are like the lowest form of comedy. I disagree. There's nothing more satisfying to me to getting a groan than a laugh. If I can get a groan, oh, I feel accomplished. I just want, I want the joke to be so stupid slash funny that you can't avoid making a guttural noise. You're just like, ah, I'm like, I love it. That's way better to me than a laugh. I'm like, yes, because I've infected your mind with it and you can't fight it off. You're like, I hate it so much. Oh, so, so the other commercials I was talking about too is because like, the match ones are just impeccable. Those are beautiful. Who was ever writing those? Keep those going. They're awful and I love it. And then the other one is the Geico uh, where you're, you're turning into your parents. And the dude's like trying to coach people who are like turning into their parents or whatever. So like they'll go to Home Depot or something like that. He's like, hey, this is the grout brush you want. And he's like, did he ask you for your help? And he's like, no, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> love those commercials. They're great. Uh, I don't think I've seen the Geico ones. Oh man, I'll send you a clip after we get done here. <laughs> they're incredible. They're they're absolutely great, and I love them. And I can't wait to uh, to start acting that way. As soon as I go buy a property, I'm gonna be like, or excuse me, buy a house. I, I'm going to uh, turn into one of those just obnoxiously uh, suburban middle class people, just for no reason, only to do it because it's oh, yeah. funny to me. Oh, I'm so ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm already tucking... stocking up on those bone belt clips and <laughs> socks yeah. and sandals. I've already got like four pairs of Crocs. Oh man, I, I'm telling you, I'm doing, I'm yeah, tucking your shirt in all the time, like button, and I wear a button up when I'm going anywhere. You know, I don't wear t-shirts anymore, no <laughs> non-colored shirts. It's all button up all day. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that life. Button up shirt tucked into cargo pants or Absolutely. cargo shorts. Absolutely. And you always and have socks something, and sandals. you always have something heavy and clanky in that right cargo short. So it's yeah. like whatever oh, yeah. it's gonna be cargo pant and whatsoever you walk around, it's like moving around and sloshing it, and then people are like, what the hell is in there? It's so loud. I'm gonna take out like 30 bucks and quarters, and that's just gonna be a permanent <laughs> fixture in all my cargo shorts. Hey, you never know when you're gonna need change. It's just smart. That's just practical. <laughs> that's what that is. Oh, God. I'm pretty sure that's all being a dad is. But that's what I want to be a dad without having kids. That's my dream. Right. Is to be like that level of just unsexualized you know just completely terrible human being that nobody really wants around but everybody kind of respects at the same time that's but i don't want to have kids like i just want to be a dad i want to be dad jokes i want to be like flipping burgers or whatever just telling stuff that nobody cares about and like perfecting my technique on really really menial tasks like that's what i want well yeah and if you're not flipping burgers then you're telling another dad how to flip burgers oh yeah yeah. to criticize another man's cooking is the epitome (laughs) Uh, of achievement that is great i just want to come over to your house right now. i was like what, what is that you got a, you got a ribeye you know you got a cross grill right you want to get those cross marks you have to oh yeah you know, oh i'm look at your house you do it the way you want to do it right i'm just trying to tell oh, you're you gonna have the heat turned up that high <laughs> oh, i don't know if i do that yeah what are you what are you trying to cook that you trying to cook that well done no medium no no no, no. <laughs> That, that is the epitome of living to me is just being a complete drain on another human being in the way that you're just like, I don't want you here and I'm never inviting you anything again. But our, our you know, wives at that point uh, are friends. So they have to, they can't get rid of me. I'm always coming back <laughs> because it plays out one of two ways. Yeah. I either get to be that level of annoying or they stop inviting me to shit and I don't want to go anyways. <laughs> so it's all good to me. Yeah. Well, the part I'm looking forward to more than anything is since you like family guy you'll get this uh the, how every guy when he goes out in public is always hiding at least 10 pounds of weight <laughs> i can't wait to just let it all go <laughs> absolutely 
I mean, you got, but you also have to wear shirts that are for like way too small, but they're also like a shirt you got for free. You, you, you did some, <laughs> you did some walk for cancer, like back in 2002 and that shirt is faded and it's just way, but you wear it to like out to places. You just, wait, I can't, let me say this here in Florida. That wouldn't be anything though. That just, ha that just happens everywhere <laughs> yeah. here in Florida. So I have to move for this to take place, but still you could do it. That's I'm way ahead of you. I mean, about half my wardrobe came out of t-shirt cannons. <laughs> so I've never caught a t-shirt from a t-shirt cannon. They never, they look at me and they're like, no, you don't deserve this. And they shoot. Like those, I feel like they look right at me and they're like right here and then just go, no. <laughs> I'm convinced they already, they just bought one size of shirt and they're exclusively shooting it out in people's directions that they think will fit into it. <laughs> they're like just body shaming the crowd. Like no fatties. <laughs> <laughs> we only bought mediums you don't get one yeah you're like <laughs> that'd be great because i just shoot it just to watch you shamefully try to hold it up in front of your body I'm like yeah give it back <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would be me though they would do that they'd shoot it like i'd go to put it in like yeah you're not wearing I'm like no i'm wearing this this is a belly shirt but it's going on <laughs> oh man so so how are you planning to pivot now that we've just gone off way too many tangents and talked about nothing for like 30 minutes how, how are you planning to pivot uh like i said when the world opens back up do you have anything like that you've been building like digitally or things that you're hoping to carry over into uh the, when the clubs start going back to a more normal schedule i'm sorry could you ask that one more time i got a little static yeah, you know, no problem. No problem. Uh, I was saying basically, like, do you have something that you've been working on, like digitally or, or something that you can bring with you to the the new uh, going back to clubs and all that type of stuff? So like, do you have like a following? Or are you trying to turn the podcast into like, hey, if you like these podcasts, come check out, come check out Balake over here at this one place. You did it. I had to like, oh, slip one in. <laughs> I was never going to do it, but you brought it up. So it's happening. So anyway, no, like, is that something that you've been trying to work on over the year? Because like you, I know when you said you found something you really enjoyed that you just haven't been doing anything with it. So I just want, I'm just interested in what you've been working on uh, in the pandemic kind of. Um, yeah. So I do do um, virtual shows. Hmm. Um, there are a surprising amount of zoom comedies, zoom comedy stuff like open mics, showcases, um, even just uh, every now and again, there's these random things where it'll just be a zoom meeting with, a handful of comedians just playing like uh quiplash or some other jackpot game hmm. um and so i have been doing that i'll admit not as much as i want to be doing it um i've been spending a lot of time writing so i'm hoping to come back and hit the hit the stages with a lot of new material um and then, yeah, I'm doing my podcast. I'm trying to get out there and get on other people's shows and really start directing people back to like my social media. And so hopefully then when stages open back up, I've got enough people, I can just say where I'm going to be and people show up. So, I mean, what, what is your process like for writing and then going to work out something on stage? Do you, do you write your joke like a framework of it and then just work out the words on stage. Are you, are you one of those people who like writes every single word. And then when you get on stage, maybe you change something uh, afterwards. You're like that word didn't land right. I need to change the system. Like how, how structured, I guess, is your process? Um, so well, anytime I think of something funny, I write it down. 
Um, and then just as I find time, I will go back through all of my chicken scratch notes and whatever I'm actually able to read, I go and I try to flesh it out and I sort of build this outline of it and I'll constantly, I'll start riffing with friends or even just, I do a lot of rehearsing, you know, either in the mirror or when I'm in my car driving. And anybody who pulls up next to me at a stoplight probably thinks I'm an insane person. Which we've covered they on probably, this call, and you are. You are, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I do, I do write it out word for word. But I don't read it back word for word. Mm-hmm. I always kind of make a lot of those. Or I follow my basic structure points and then kind of come up with what I'm going to say on the fly. So I don't really know why I write it all out word for word, but I do think it helps me time it out, mm-hmm. I guess, because a lot of the sets I do are five minutes, and so I have to keep it in that time window. And as we've already seen today, it's really easy to get me off on a tangent. <laughs> no, I love tangents. Tangents are 90% of conversations to me. Like, why am I staying focused? Let's let's have some fun here. Let's move around. I'm gonna sound like a huge nerd here, but where's the love for sines and cosines? <laughs> well, you did sound like a huge nerd, and that'll end this. Well, thank you for coming on. No, <laughs> hey, you laughed at it. So, what does that make you? <laughs> oh, I'm an idiot. You shouldn't. I'm not. I'm anybody's target audience. I I enjoy just about everything. I. One of my favorite things is being in a comedy club and thinking that I know what the guy's talking about to the level like it's a super in-depth joke and everybody else is quiet and I go, ah! And I just get like one laugh or whatever. Like, what the fuck? I like being that guy. And everybody's looking at me like, what? Did he get something or is he just weird? And I'm like, both. It's both. Well, if once all this is over, I'm never performing in Florida, I'll know when you're coming to my show. <laughs> I, so I, that's one of the things I've only been here in Miami for probably, uh, I don't know, 18 months or something like that. I moved in the summer of 2019. Um, and so I haven't gotten to go to a comedy show here, but I've heard Miami comedy shows are weird. Like the people don't behave appropriately at them. Like what, let's be clear. People behave weird at comedy shows in general. It's kind of like an accepted part of comedy for whatever reason. But I mean, like, People will just stand yeah. like the entire show instead of like sitting down at their table or like they just do really weird things. Uh, coincidentally, Miami is uh, one of the cocaine capitals of the U.S. Not for distribution, but for <laughs> use. <laughs> but <laughs> so I mean, I just heard I've heard that from comedians talk about doing a show in Miami. But I'm so I'm kind of uh, I, I don't know if I really want to go. Like oh, you know what? Come to think of it, we did go to one show, but it was a really weird one. It was science mixed with comedy. So. That, that already is a different crowd. <laughs> so they had like neuroscientists and stuff like that, whatever they'd come up and they'd tell something very dry and very like science driven. And then it'd have like a, a, a poop and dick joke comedy like right after it or whatever. So it was, <laughs> it was a really cool, cool event, you know, oh, but beautiful still. mix. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I don't think that's a good gauge for what kind of Miami crowds you go. Like if I go see, I don't know, Kevin Hart or something like that, I imagine it's going to be a different crowd. I'd at least hope so. I hope not, because if I'm there, there should be other people. Like, I can't be that unique. There's other people like me. But, oh, man, that just reminded me, and this is a really weird uh, thing to remember, but at that show, there was a neuroscientist who was talking about incest. Like, she was, like, breaking down why we're disgusted by incest and, like, all this stuff, whatever, and her son was in the crowd. <laughs> so I was like, oh. I was like, oh. <laughs> 
Oh, like it's God. always fun to hear Ma talk about incest. Like this is God, leave it to Florida. <laughs> oh, oh, it was great. But again, she's like a PhD, she's like a doctor. So like this is one of the things she studies. But I just thought that was hilarious. I'm like, why would you bring your son to this? Like, why do you want to talk about this with your? Like, it's just weird. It's like if she brought her brother or something. You're like, oh, why are you really studying this? God, that blows me away. That there's somebody with a PhD who just studies incest. Well, I, I, so I'm, again, I'm making light of it. I think she, what more she studies is our, like our taboos and things like that. And so yeah. incest was just the one she brought out because for a big, for not a big crowd, but for a crowd, it's going to be the one that people remember. And she's right. Cause I'm still talking about it like 15 <laughs> months later. Cause that was nuts. <laughs> I think that's the yeah, way to do it. Mr. Accomplished. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's, so what I'm telling you is go ahead and put some incest jokes in your, uh, your act and you'll be good to go. That's the way to break through. <laughs> and then 15 months later, I'll know, I'll remember you word for word. <laughs> so you mentioned well, before I did grow up on a ranch and I was the redneck in my friend group so I've got a whole, a whole bunch of them I can repurpose wait 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 you're repurposing stories or jokes because those are two different jokes. things no just, no this jokes. is not turning into a therapy session I am not licensed for that no no no, no. <laughs> god you're just as bad as they are <laughs> you said you grew up on a ranch there's neverland ranch joke right there like that's the, the first thing and then it wasn't like just for your word choice it's like wait 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 he's, he's like, yeah i grew up on a ranch i got a lot of incest stories i'm like what no <laughs> yeah i'm paraphrasing you didn't actually say those words <laughs> i heard what i heard <laughs> uh it's great brings me to another point though i'm yeah. blown away that farmers only has never done the targeted ads at me so <laughs> of all the random dating site ads farmers only is another one of those hyper niche uh niche uh dating sites and i'm like come on man lean into it lean into your virality uh, uh that people are like this is insane lean into that with the commercials because if you're a farmer you already know about farmers only and if you don't then you need it to go viral to hear about it in some other way because they'll start out laughing but then if you're actually a farmer you're like wait well, I mean, I would like somebody who understands I got to get up and, you know, feed the chickens and do like all this stuff. Whatever. That'd be really nice in a relationship. You know, maybe let me check it out. I'm convinced that Farmers Only is entirely made up of people who are into farmers and there's no actual farmers on it. But is that like a thing? It, like that, that's, I don't know. That just seems like, how specific are your tastes? You're like, I like a dude who plows the field from like <laughs> 5 to 5.30 a.m. Or like, I don't know what farmers <laughs> do, but like- that's a very specific taste, I feel like. Well, it means they're good at plowing, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I knew when I said that, like, that, that's just <laughs> softballed up there. It's dead. There's no way that's not getting knocked out of here. But it's so like, like a farmer, I picked the low hanging fruit. <laughs> I don't think that's a farmer. That's that's somebody who works for the farmer. But uh, so that's a that's a thing I think is interesting though. Um, are we gonna get like a fifty shades fifty shades of gray like farmer version? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I guess Harlequin <laughs> romance novels probably already have that. Like you know, uh, it always seems like those dudes are doing some job with their hands or whatever. So they had to do a farmer at some point, right? Oh, hundred percent. I'm pretty sure there are a bunch of romance novels about like ranchers and farmers and cowboys i mean that sounds incredibly boring to i me. mean i know there was a certain romance movie that came out about cowboys but yeah but that's cowboys like cowboys cowboys yeah. i get i can see cowboys but farming 
like again, and I want to be clear about this. Farmers are the, one of the backbones of America. America has many backbones. Oh, absolutely. Like <laughs> I, I enjoy your work. Do not take what I'm saying to be dissing you by any means. I think a farming is a respectable p- a profession and women should be lucky uh, or men for that matter because there's women farmers as well uh, should be lucky to date somebody who gives so much to America. I'm just saying it's weird to ju- to want a farmer like that. Like, like me, I work in supply chain. Who's out here saying, I want to date a dude in supply chain? Like, <laughs> that just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that just, I don't know. Well, I mean, apparently there's one. She's in the other room right now, so. <laughs> hey, everybody has their taste, right? Yeah, she has terrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, you were mentioning before that you wanted to bring more people to your social media and stuff like that. So I feel like this is a perfect time for you to go ahead and plug it. Like what, what's your social media platform of choice that people can find you on and if they want to interact with you some more? Uh, I definitely use Twitter the most. Uh, you can follow me at Blake Sweet Comic. Um, we do ha- also have social media profiles on all the major platforms for our podcast, which I feel like while I'm plugging, I should plug that too. Absolutely. Uh, so it's called Fat Tango Presents. And Fat it is available Tango, where... like F-A-T? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and it is available wherever you find podcasts. Uh, we actually have a sort of companion podcast that comes out along with it called Four to Tango as well. And that's just the four of us who make the podcast um, do a little talk show, a little behind the scenes. And we make a lot of dick and fart jokes that didn't make it into our sketches. Important. You got to get to give them a oh, full yeah. repertoire. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then we are on Instagram's our main platform for that. It's at Fat Tango Productions. So I'll make sure that I drop links to all this in the notes and everything like that, because I want to make sure that people are able to, to come find you, if only to harass you for the Balake thing that you made happen. <laughs> so I want that oh, to yeah. be... Uh, well, I figured I'll get out in front of it, at least this way. I look like I started the joke instead of I'm the butt of it. I want to, like, I want to... So here's what I want to have happen. <clears throat> I want... And the, it's going to start off like I'm being rude, but don't take it that way. It's just a setup for the joke. Uh, I want us to never talk again after this conversation, right? And then, like when you're going to you, you you die for whatever natural causes thing you die from and i've just followed you my entire life just to put like a hyphen in your first name on your tombstone so instead of it being just blake you know like it's blake <laughs> so it's just <laughs> like that's the level of petty i'm trying to be is like this is going to be a long term <laughs> plan and then i got to pay off the guy who's doing the gravestones just to land this punchline and nobody's gonna remember because it doesn't go i assume you're gonna live for like another 40 50 years or something like that uh i hope so <laughs> yeah and so so nobody's like balake what is it what even is that and like <laughs> and then i die from laughter that's that's the way all right well <laughs> now 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 that you put it out there if you don't do that when i die i'm gonna come haunt you i mean that's a win-win right because now <laughs> i've got a ghost i can make money off that i'm cool with that too but i i, I also assume i'm older than you so that's Man, you got to stop eating cheeseburgers, dude. <laughs> but I like cheeseburgers. Yeah, and that's why you're dead and hunting me. <laughs> this is how you get there. This is your this is your wake-up call. I'm the ghost of Christmas present. I don't know. One of them. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. So. 
Awesome. Anyways, man, thanks so much for coming on here and joining me. Uh, I'm definitely, like I said, I'm going to drop all the links to your podcast and to anything that you do. Like, So if you have any virtual shows coming up, make sure you send me a link because uh, by the time this comes out, you might be doing another one or something like that. So I definitely want to try to support. And I want to watch too, because I think it's very interesting. You know, you and I have sat here and we've joked back and forth and talked and everything, but I know whenever you talk to somebody who is a comedian or just does comedy, uh, even if it's just a hobby, their stage presence and who they are and like person to person conversation are always so different. So I always love to see that transition and how different you are on stage. I'm very interested in that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Thanks for, for having me on. I'll definitely uh, send you some links as I do more shows. That'd be great, uh, man. And hopefully I'm as, hopefully I'm funny on stage too. <laughs> what do you mean too? You weren't funny here. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yes that was oh that felt good that felt good this was worth it this was worth it. <laughs> he was off all this time i told you i told you the way i show affection <laughs> is by uh talking shit so <laughs> hey if i as i as far as i can tell if i throw one right down the middle you're gonna knock it out of the park so yeah, or I'm going to lean. I'll stretch for him, too. I will make, I will reach <laughs> hard for something you're like, no, it wasn't worth the effort. I'm like, I don't care. I'm happy. I'm happy with my choices. <laughs> so. You at least didn't bunt it. <laughs> exactly. So. All right, man. Thanks again. Like I said, we'll have to do right. this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. See ya. Thanks for checking out Starting Nowhere. Make sure you follow us on Facebook so you can comment on this and other episodes of Starting Nowhere.